So we're two weeks away from the preseason and just a couple weeks on top of that until the start of the NBA regular season. We're approaching fall. And honestly, as the summer weather leaves, that's one one thing I'm holding on to as a positive. I'm not much of a fan of the cold weather, but I am a fan of getting closer to the start of the NBA season. And this week, we're previewing the Northwest Division that includes the Denver Nuggets, the Blazers, OKC, the Utah Jazz, and the Timberwolves. A tough, tough division. Probably the toughest heading into this season. Um, I mean, OKC is weaker, but still, you got three three of the teams here competing for a playoff spot, potentially a Tier 1 or a Tier 2 team, as I like to call it. But let's start off with a related trivia question here with this division. So, Sean, when was the last time the Denver Nuggets made a Western Conference Final? Oh, Alan, you're, you're giving me a much easier question than last week. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to make <laughs> me just sit here and think for a minute. Um, I'm going to say it was back... Gosh, I, I can't remember the exact year, but whenever they had Billups and Anthony, I'm guessing. So it's, was that 2003? Ooh, not that far back. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, that, that was really this, far. Yeah, that's when Anthony was drafted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't that good yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said it. It's done. Oh no, it was uh, the 2008-2009 season. Oh, okay. The Denver Nuggets, and it was Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups, yeah, Kenyon Martin, <laughs> a, a J.R. Smith, a more sane J.R. Smith. <laughs> more sane. <laughs> hey, the less sane J.R. Smith is an NBA champion, so. This is true. This is true. But that was the last time the Denver Nuggets made a Western Conference Finals in those sky baby blue jerseys. And I asked that because I'm so excited to dive into these division previews because I am a huge fan of this Denver Nuggets team, and I cannot wait for the season to start and see where they fall. Cause I'm going to make my bold prediction. I'm just going to say it now. Cause I just can't wait to get to that <laughs> point is I think this is the number one team in the league in terms of regular season. I think wow. they're going to be the number one seed at the end of the regular season. That's impressive. We can talk about that later, but I, I like the take. I'll, say, I'll just yes. say that. I just couldn't hold the excitement. <laughs> Are you more excited about them than your jazz? Than, yeah, your, than I mean, your own Lakers? I, I just there's there's I there they are out of all these tier one teams I'd like to say they they're headed in a it almost seems like it's so obvious that they're headed in a better direction I mean there's really no big chemistry changes or big players to fit in they added nice incremental pieces that I think can make their, is going to make their team better and you know they're still they still have a lot of self improvement still on the board for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Well, we can do a little deep dive into that soon here, but we just got to get some news, some quick thoughts out here. Uh, this this week in the NBA, there's a few things going on that yeah. we got to touch on a little bit. Um, ESPN doing this interesting series called NBA Rank, where they have this now oh, system of, or panel of experts, I guess you could say, ranking the top 100 players in the NBA and all but the top two. As of today, September 26th, have been announced, and the top 10 list just came out, and from 10, or at least for the 10 through 3, and that list from 10 to 3 is Paul George, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, James Harden, and wouldn't you know it, LeBron James at number 3, not number one for the first time ever in the history of that NBA rank system, hmm. which only leaves Giannis and Kawhi as one yeah. and two. And we don't know which order yet, but Alan, what do you think of this list? Who do you think is number one? 
I mean, if if I had to choose, I'm not I I'm not sure who ESPN is going to go with, but I think I'm going to go with Giannis number one. Wow. Uh, I think Giannis is has been healthy. He's been steadily improving. He's commander in chief of that Bucks team. <laughs> I think if we're talking about regular season 2019 2020, I think Giannis is a solid pick for being the best for being the player who projected with the best um, season ahead of him. I, I'm taking Giannis 100 and Kawhi at number two. No, I don't. I don't blame them for taking Kawhi over LeBron. LeBron missed a missed a lot of games last year. Didn't even get to the playoffs, and Kawhi was just <laughs> a monster. Obviously, an NBA champ. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of hype behind him. But I mean, there's still questions around his health. There's still a little, you know, uh, insecurity around that. So with given that, I think I'd go with Giannis number one. And then as far as the top ten here. I honestly have no problem with this list. Yeah, um, I was gonna say the I same really thing. I really like the I like <laughs> this list. I, I I mean I'm surprised to see um well I'm not surprised, but I think it's really cool to see Damian Leonard right there within that top ten. I don't think I'd seen him there before but since they've been doing these rankings every year. So to him to like crack the top ten um officially for ESPN, I think that's a huge a mark for him and second best point guard. I'm glad to see ESPN agrees with that. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think that's something we talked about after that OKC Blazers series. Or like Damian Lillard has just cemented himself as the second best point guard in the NBA, and uh, ESPN agrees. They had they had Kyrie at number 11, I believe, as the third point guard on mm-hmm. the list. So yeah, Damian Lillard getting a good shout there. I'm actually gonna put Kawhi at number one in my. You're gonna like, put Kawhi, not because of like just because he's a Clipper now, obviously, but he's just when you compare like if you're comparing Giannis and Kawhi just straight up, I just think Kawhi is a little more of an all-around player. Like yeah. he already he has a three-point shot. He's I think he's a better defender than Giannis. Giannis obviously is a little better driver, but I think if you want one guy to build your team around right now, Kawhi Leonard is that guy. Really, I yes. would take Giannis. I'm taking no. the younger blood. No, I'm taking. I'm taking Kawhi. MVP. No, I'm talking about right now. I don't care how young he is. I care about who's the best player right now this year. Kawhi Leonard is in his prime just as much as Giannis is. Giannis, no, Giannis could make if Giannis develops a three point shot this year. I'm gonna make a complete 180 on that. But until I see that actually come to fruition, I have to go with Kawhi. He's the full package. Yeah, and I mean, I think at this point, there are fair arguments to be made for each one. Obviously, you're down to one and two now. Um, but interesting with Kawhi, I'm still going to... You haven't convinced me, Sean. I'm still I'm going with Giannis, the, the young blood. champ, man. The former MVP. <laughs> but yeah, Kawhi Leonard is an MVP. He, he took down Giannis. <laughs> he did take down Giannis. He <laughs> took down the 76ers. That buzzer beater is one of the best I've ever seen. And yeah. It's got a lot of big reasons why he's number two, and I don't disagree with it. Um, but let's see the season play out. Let's see. Let, let's see what happens there. But I mean, at this point, I'm sure LeBron James has a problem with being number three. I know uh, he's, he's got a chip I, on his shoulder now, huh? <laughs> he definitely does. And I like to see that Anthony Davis is at number five. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to take some big points taken away from him for the fact that with the way he closed out last year, but I guess there's a lot of hype surrounding him, as there should be. Yeah, as he I think heads, I think that's as he a heads good, into the Lakers season. Yeah, that is a good ranking for him. Like he deserves to be number five at least because of just how good he is. Yeah, like yeah, what he did last year was all just attitude. Like the talent's all still there. Right. 
because every time I see this, the these ESPN rankings, there are some like questionable ones. But then you think about it, and you're like, oh, you know, like Clay Thompson, I think is like forty in the forties or something. Uh, but then that, and the big reason for that is obviously because he's got the injury he's right. coming off of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like seeing Paul George making top ten too. I mean, he had a great season last year. He did. I did not think he would have a resurgence in his career. I thought we had already seen his best days, but he had a hell of a season. So now I just got a matter of that shoulder getting better. Yeah, for real. Well, how about Marquise Chris and Ryan Anderson? Two names you probably didn't <laughs> think you were going to hear again. I mean, Ryan Anderson is stretched from some team. I think the Phoenix Suns are still paying him or somebody out there is still know, paying he him. He was on the Rockets for a little bit and then he was on the Cavs in that trade some point in the season yeah the two names that you never really cared to hear about but it was in the news so i don't know marquise chris probably won't get much playing time with the warriors and i'm sure the same thing with ryan anderson i mean (laughs) he didn't really do much for them when he was making 20 million for them doubt he'll be doing much for them when he's making the minimum ryan anderson is just one of those guys i felt that like looked really good on paper considering how good of a three-point shooter he is he looked like he was a solid kind of a okay rebounder um almost seven foot but he just he's not 20 million dollars worth though he just no he hurt some teams in with that aspect so much i know yeah he's he's not gonna see very many minutes here unless there's some injuries but that would be unfortunate (laughs) i have to play ryan anderson for any significant amount of time Exactly. How about the Milwaukee Bucks being fined $50,000 for violating the rule against player contract comments um, when they commented on the fact that they want to eventually give Giannis to Supermax? I mean, that's just saying obviously. so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like who was going to not, you know, admit to that? Or I guess it's kind of silly of them to have said it publicly, but still, I mean, it seems like such a petty way to send a message to the rest of the league and it just seems so meaningless it's like i'm sure that some media person probably asked them and it's like well this obviously isn't a secret so i'll just say yeah obviously we're gonna give them the super max like why yeah. wouldn't we and then they get fined 50k i think that's how much magic johnson got fined every time he actually tampered so <laughs> i i guess this is them just putting their foot down it's like this is just the beginning of like what we'll do if you do anything to violate the rules like it does seem like they're being a little more strict right out the gates here. So something to yeah, look out but I for. Mean, I mean, to the other, on another side, I just think the Milwaukee Bucks said this because they probably felt like they needed to make a comment after those rumors somehow became headlines about the Warriors having a chance oh, to sign God. them. Yeah. Of course they have a chance. I mean, there's a bunch of teams, like if you do the math right now, have a chance. But who knows what's going to play out in the cards by, that, by the time 2021 summer comes around. But... The fact that that was a discussion and was a story, I mean, I think I think it's kind of unfair because teams have to defend themselves against that stuff, but they're getting fined. But media members, obviously, you you, you can't find them for for reporting on and discussing ridiculous rumors like that. Yeah, and yeah, if you're the Bucks, you have to be so protective of Giannis. You know, it's like all the big market teams are gonna go after him for sure. And it's like, oh, you're yeah. just, you're just Milwaukee. Just like, please just stay here. Like we need to stay relevant. We cannot lose you there. He yeah. is, he is Milwaukee, honestly. So yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it could either be the Bucks felt like they needed to, you know, send a message slightly a small one. They probably didn't think it was going to eventually lead to this, or maybe there was some merit to that rumor. Who knows? 
Yeah, I don't know about that. I yeah. think I think everyone's just trying to think of how the Warriors can just rule the NBA for the next twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about the G League, Sean? It looks like they added a new rule here. Yeah, this is a fun one. Interesting and probably targeted towards players like James Harden trying to get to the free throw line all the time. Um, it seems like the NBA is using the G League more and more as a testing ground for rules like this new one where players are only going to get one free throw for shooting fouls, and that's on twos or three-pointers. So no matter where the foul occurs, you only get one free throw. Hmm. So that's going to be interesting to see. That's a pretty revolutionary thing for basketball. I've never seen that happen in any official league. Uh, we'll have to see what the effect is and if that increases or decreases the fun that the fans have watching, um, see what that effect that has on the players. I don't even know. Um, yeah, it'll, but it'll, it, yeah. What are you going to say? I think it'll be, I was going to say, I think it's going to be a game changer here. I mean, I'm oh, saying yeah. like each game, you each team is shooting anywhere between 20 to 30 free throws. So that, to- that point total goes down, but also... Uh, you kind of even the ground a little bit between good free throw shooters and bad free throw shooters. Like, <laughs> I wonder how much more the Lakers would have dominated if this was a rule during the Shaquille O'Neal days. Yeah, it's really interesting to think of like what game impact this has too. Like, yeah. it uh, it might make teams want to foul more because you mm. only get one point versus like two if you actually let them shoot. Exactly. You yeah. Know? So I don't I don't know if this rule by itself is very good for the league yeah. and they might they might be able to discover that just from watching the G League guys play it out but i could see that rule being abused pretty badly from certain teams especially when you need to just get back into a game they only have to shoot one free throw and then you get to go on the other side and actually try to make a basket and you get double the points right you kind of take them the sort of the punishment away for playing bad defense and fouling a guy or <laughs> right but at the same time i guess you lessen uh the incentive to manipulate uh and flop and manipulate the thinking of the refs but i'm not so sure that happens as often as as bad defensive plays would would occur if you change this right. only one free throw yeah i agree I, I don't think that this is going to ever hit the nba i really hope it doesn't because i mean if i if we can already think of ways that it wouldn't work like ten, like talking about it for two minutes mm-hmm. um, I, I just think that a little more thought needs to be put into uh like how you stop guys like james harden from just going to the line 20 times a game or if that's yeah. even worth if that's even worth making a rule about you know if that's just how the game goes it's how the game goes right because there aren't there's only one james harden there really aren't many people who can do i mean i guess curry does it lebron does it a little bit sometimes but there just aren't many players who manipulate the game that way not as much as as a harden does and i mean it is annoying to watch but i'm not sure i'm not sure if like the overall effect it would have through the league is worth trying to minimize that yeah it would certainly speed up the game action, though, because you'd only have to be waiting for one free throw. True. So that like that would be f- more fun for the fans. But as far as like strategy, like it would change strategy of NBA completely. Yeah, on the defensive end, that would be interesting to change. That would happen. I don't think it would change it for the better. Yeah, I agree. Hope <laughs> hopefully, well, we'll see what happens. You know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. it makes the G League super awesome, and uh, I don't know. It'll have yeah. to be played out. Exactly. 
Yeah, so uh, this last piece of news here, NBA teams must now report the exact height and age of every player within the first week of training camp. Uh, so hmm, now we'll actually get to see how how tall Zion Williamson actually is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised weight I, wasn't on this list. Like height, I mean age, I mean who? how many people are lying about their age? Probably not that many. I mean, height's an yeah. interesting one, but I really want to see weight. You know, I want to see mm-hmm. who's coming into training camp all fat and stuff. <laughs> I always thought this was a rule that already existed. I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't a thing before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't really understand that either, but I'm glad it exists. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe there's like some HIPAA rule violations here that you can make an argument for or something. Where, where, you know, each player has a right to their own health specifications or health history or, and age and height was part of that. Yeah. Uh, so the NBA teams could know, but they couldn't publicly report on it, at least not officially. Interesting. I just did not know that this was this was something that was a thing before. <laughs> yeah, right. I Yeah, I thought this would have just been like a no-brainer from the start, right? Like, yeah. why, why is this a new thing? But, exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if like any weird heights come out from uh, like mm. now that this rule exists. Yeah, maybe Chris Paul truly isn't a six. <laughs> yeah, maybe footer. Chris Paul's like five <laughs> ten. Yeah, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas is like five five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe all of a sudden the number of seven footers in the league is not actually a high number. Yeah, Bowman's Bowman's actually seven seven. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah. But how about let's dive right into the division previews because I want to start these things off because I want to start it off right away with the team that I'm going behind uh, this season as the number one seeded team in the NBA this coming year. And I think they have a legitimate chance at making some noise in the playoffs if they can just get their, their act together. They are a young team and they are the Denver Nuggets, a team that has not made the Western Conference Finals since the 2008-2009 season. Team that narrowly missed the number one seed and barely missed going to the conference finals, losing that epic series against the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, we <laughs> saw that four-time overtime game, Man. that game seven against the Spurs. This was a team that just grinded and probably sh- shouldn't have had that series go to seven games against the Spurs. And they probably should have beat the, the Portland Trailblazers considering how um, how many more? How much? How, how much deeper their roster was compared to what the Blazers had at that moment? Right. I mean, I I can see that seven game series against the Spurs because they had no playoff experience before. Right. And, and Popovich has all the playoff experience in the world. So I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if the Spurs had upset them in that series. But then they win, and you go up against the Blazers in that seven game series where Ennis Cantor is basically playing with one arm. <laughs> And he's somehow able to hold his own, and they all they end up beating the Nuggets. Like yeah. I don't know how that happened, but it happened, and the Nuggets got bounced out. But they had a pretty great season, all things considered. And I I can see why you think they're gonna be a number one. Uh, they really didn't lose anybody, um, losing Trey Lyles, Isaiah Thomas, uh, but they added Jeremy Grant, uh, giving up that first round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for him. Interesting choice. Not like I think Jeremy Grant's really worth a number one pick, but I, I mean, I guess the Nuggets don't really see themselves getting anyone more impactful in the draft next year. Um, right. Being that they might be like pick number 30, like you're saying, like they might have the, basically a second round pick. So Jeremy Grant's probably better than that. 
Exactly. And I mean, you add a player that's already just like, I think a stifling wing defender to the lineup you already have. Like, I mean, look at these names, Will Barton, Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig. Mm. Um, and on top of that, you had Jermaine Grant. I mean, this is a, this is a solid, solid group of players, whether you have some of them, whether depend, regardless of who you have starting and who you have coming off the bench. I think when you're looking at the depth and the number, the names that they have, I just, I can't help but just say that I think, the Nuggets have the best bench in the league, and I think that's going to help them out so much through the regular season to get that that number one seed. I mean, this is a team also that only played their starting lineup 22 times last year. Wow. That was mostly because Gary Harris, right? Gary Harris, yeah. Will Barton, Paul right. Millsap. Will Barton. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Joe Kick and Jamal Murray were there. I mean, Jamal, Jamal Murray met, missed some times, but for the most part, those two guys held down the four um, and carried that Denver Nuggets team to fit to more than 50 wins last year, narrowly missing the number one seed. But in terms of in terms of what you got going is their biggest offseason move is probably giving Jamal Murray the largest contract <laughs> in franchise history, five years, $170 million. Wow. I mean, he took a big step forward. I think he's definitely got... The ability to be one of the best point guards in the, in the league in the next coming years, but for now, I think he's just got to focus on continuing to improve and not really losing focus out there on the floor, um, and just giving the ball to who I think is going to be an MVP candidate, a true MVP candidate this year is Nikola Jokic, a top <laughs> ten player we saw from ESPN. You know, he's found himself in the top five MVP rankings a couple times. And he's a 20 and 10 and 7 machine. I think he's only going to take a further a step forward and really take this team, I think, hopefully to the promised land. But it's just a matter of them figuring it out uh, come playoff time. And on top of that, just a small shout out to Jeremiah Grant. Jeremiah Grant, who I think is a solid addition, 40% from three off four attempts a game, a versatile and strong defender coming from OKC. And he's on a solid value contract. So the fact that I think that you only gave up a first round pick, I think is not that bad considering like you, it's probably going to be a a 30, a number 30 pick. Yeah. Or at least close to it. And yeah, the best thing about this team is that they played so well last year and they don't really have anyone that's like in their prime quite yet. No, it's a young team. Yeah. You might be able to argue that Jokic is there because Man, it's hard to know what his ceiling looks like because he played so well last year, and he's he's just taken the league by storm ever since he got here, pretty much. Uh, really, no one saw it coming, except for the Nuggets, apparently. Yeah. And, yeah, right now he is looking like a top-five MVP candidate with just the trajectory that he's on right now. And Jamal Murray is kind of a guy that snuck up on a lot of people, too. I mean, he's, he's put himself into a top 10 point guard conversation, and no one really saw that coming. And he's still very young, too. I think he's like 22 years old now. Yeah. Yeah, so, man, super young. And all, all these guys, like, none of them are old. Like, they're <laughs> all in their 20s. I don't know if they have a player over 30 on this roster. Paul Millsap. Oh, yeah, Paul Millsap, <laughs> obviously, yeah. But he's, yeah, he's on, I think, his last year of his contract here with the Nuggets. and Right. Yeah, he's really the only old guy there, and he's still, like, playing really well, like Al Horford's stat as well. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who they move forward. Does Paul Millsap lose his starting job to an athletic athletic guy like Jeremiah, Jeremiah Grant, or um, maybe they start going smaller with some of these other guys, but... This wing defense is just going to be stifling. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch, I think. And the X factor for this team, I think, is definitely going to be health with only playing your starting lineup 22 times. 
Gary Harris and Will Barton missing a lot of time. Um, Jamal Murray missing some time. And of course, you also have Michael Porter Jr., who's, you know, just in the back room rehabbing. And hopefully he makes an appearance this year and he could be a a sneaky pick there to to break, to crack this rotation and add some value to this team. But with all that mentioned, I think I have this team trending up with 56 wins and cracking and taking that number one seed in the Western Conference. And the storyline to follow is, I think this team puts together an awesome regular season, but I'm still not sure I see them as a team that comes out of the West. Yeah. Um, given how young they are and what they their performance last year, the fact that it went to seven games against the Spurs, the fact that they lost to the Portland Trailblazers on a one-armed Ennis Cantor, a Zach Collins <laughs> having to play like 37 minutes because there's nobody else. Um, I just don't, I don't see it yet, but if they can turn that success into playoff success, then I think they're well on their way. Yeah, that is the tough thing is they, they are going to be the most consistent team coming into the season because the, the team is basically the same. So they already know yeah. how to play with each other. It's these other West teams that have all these superstars, though. These just two, like dynamic superstar like dynamic duos that are going to be a very big problem for them in the playoffs even though they all have a, basically a lot of playoff experience at this point having made it two rounds in very tough matchups against the Spurs and the Blazers last year they will have a chance for sure yeah. against any team that they go up against but having to play against two superstars in every single series is going to be really tough for them because they don't quite have it yet. They don't have that it factor yet. I don't feel like Jokic can take over a game like someone like a Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard can yet. So it's going to be interesting to see how they react when that, when the big moments come. And, but like, I love all the players, like you're saying, like, I think Will Barton's a fantastic player has, has a very good chance to break out this year. I think if he can stay healthy, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've always been a big Will Barton fan. Gary Harris it, being there is going to be consistent too. Yeah. I was going to say, and if he doesn't, you have Tory Craig. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is like, they have so many guys, like you said, they have the best bench in the league. And they also, because of that, they're able to have these project guys in Michael Porter Jr. And Bull Bull, who they mm, drafted right. this year. These two guys who could easily be like top three picks any year could end up being superstars in the league. If there's probably a small chance of it happening that they're able to get back into full form. But if they do, this Nuggets team just continues to dominate. And right. it, it'll be really interesting to watch like if these guys are even able to hit the floor. They don't need them, but if they do, then it's just that's a game changer for them. Right, and I think even for them, just the ability to become solid rotation pieces will be just more more good bodies to put out on the floor Again, especially in playoff time when you start fatiguing. But even to that note, you're right. I mean, CJ McCollin just had himself a hell of a night against <laughs> this team, and they were not able to answer that at times when the score when when it came to closing the closing the door there on game. So, can Jamal Murray be that guy? Is Joe Kick that guy? Maybe is it Gary Harris? I don't know. But that would be that is a big good that is a big question for this team. Um, at times it was Paul Millsap even, but as he's getting older, I think that's. I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. so sure you can rely on him. They really need to have that go-to guy in the closing minutes. I think. I, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna have to be Jokic. And on on that note, do you think Jokic has like the most "I don't give a crap" face out of like every guy in the league? 
Oh yeah, Jokic looks like, like he's he the looks, guy. <laughs> he looks like a guy who like cuts down trees in the afternoon, goes to a bar and fights three guys, and then just comes back home and it's just like just another day. He always just looks like he hates everything. Yeah. Like he's just like screw this game, screw everything. Like I hate basketball. I'll just play it, whatever. <laughs> like he always looks so grumpy. Like why is he so grumpy? Yeah, and he also doesn't look like an athlete. Yes. I mean, obviously, he's almost a seven-footer, but his frame is just so average. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like he has, like, the, a basketball god's, like, spirit in him, just, like, <laughs> controlling him. He's just like, God, I don't want to play this stupid game. I'm so freaking good at it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like his mom's making him play out there. Yeah, I know, right? Yes, he look, yeah, he looks like he's just, like, being forced to do it. <laughs> like, God. I have to try so hard. This is so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about OKC, Sean? Tell oh, us about OKC. No. What happened OKC. with these guys? I mean, I got it. Thank you, OKC. I really appreciate <laughs> it, first and foremost. I, I wish you nothing but the best. Let's, let's get into it. For, for those of you that don't know, they've been living under a rock the last three months. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is gone. Paul George is gone. This team is in shambles, in full rebuilding mode, but it's not all sadness for them. They, by having Sam Presti as their GM, have made out pretty well. Um, so let, let's go through what they're able to do despite losing their two superstar players. They add Chris Paul, which, uh, what, are, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But the better piece is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Danilo Gallinari, and... Uh, I don't know why they put Mike Muscala on this <laughs> list, but he's there. It's just one of those pieces that just gets passed around the league. Yeah, that that's a shame. He he should not be an NBA player. I'm just going <laughs> to side note right there. Um, but yeah, the departures, you lose Westbrook, you lose Paul George, uh, Jeremy Grant to the Nuggets, what we just mentioned. Um, Patrick Patterson and Markeith Morris also out. So what you're looking at after losing those guys, though, is that you have seven future first rounders between Westbrook and George alone, including four pick swaps if you need them. And while you also get one more first rounder for Grant. So in total, eight future first rounders, four pick swaps. This team is in full rebuilding mode, uh, which is unfortunate for them as a basketball team because they're going to be very bad this year. There's not going to be a lot of motivation to win. Um, and really, if they even tried, they probably wouldn't get very many wins because there's really nothing on this team that is going to do anything. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to have the lowest price tickets this year. If not this uh, year, next year. I, I still think it's going to be the Hornets. The Th Hornets? This team is not as bad as the Hornets still. I'll give them that. <laughs> That's true. UFC stuff, Chris Paul and yeah. Steven Adams. Right, so this season's really all about building up their younger pieces, and, and really, I think the big thing for them is trying to find a taker for Chris Paul's fat contract. Like, if they're going to get their rebuild in full in full rebuild mode, like, they have to get rid of CP3 as soon as possible. There's no way they can keep this guy on, because if they do, it's just going to make it harder for them to actually sign guys that they actually want. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then obviously you have the personality you have to take care of in a way. And I just don't think Chris Paul wants to be there either. Oh, definitely not. He wants no. to be on a playoff team. Like The whole reason he went to Houston is because he wanted to win a championship there. Now now he doesn't even yeah. get to do that. 
And now you have Shea Gilgis Alexander, who you want to develop as like your actual point guard of the future. Like this guy's gonna be around to stay, um, right? More, yeah, more likely than not. And you don't want Chris Paul competing with him for minutes. And you know yeah. Chris Paul's not gonna want to be a bench player. Yeah. So I mean, it's just a. I mean, to me, the only team that might make some sense is Miami. Maybe the Timberwolves could put a deal together around Andrew Wiggins and a couple other pieces to match that salary, but. Either one of yeah. those, it it doesn't really make much. I mean, and I guess you the don't want was, Wiggins either. You want yeah, Wiggins? Exactly. No, you definitely don't <laughs> want. But we can get to that later too. Right? But exactly. Yeah. And it's like neither of those teams actually get any substantially better. The Timberwolves nor the the Miami Heat. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah know. the Heat. Kind of, the Heat might get a little better, but. I mean, Goran Dragic is a good play. I feel like Goran Dragic and Chris Paul are like pretty close at this point in their careers, honestly. Yeah. And Goran Dragic made the All-Star game. True. Crazy. Why was he in there? Uh, there were some injuries <laughs> and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know who is going to take this contract. But if anyone can do it, it's Sam Presti. Yeah, we'll see what he does. I mean, maybe they just sit on Chris Paul and convince him to just, you know, take a chunk, big chunk out of that contract out and just agree to a buyout. But... That's going to be a lot of money he'd have to be willing to give up right. they to might, get that buyout. <laughs> I know. They might have to throw in one of these first-rounders that they acquired along with Chris <laughs> Paul to get rid of him. Like yeah. they, they need to make it like some incentive for the other team. Yeah, exactly. But I think one of the interesting ones is Darius Baisley being drafted by OKC, falling to number 23 here. Because I remember reading about this kid who for, went for went college to work one year as an intern at New Balance um, I mean, he had a lot of hype coming out coming out of high school, so he actually dropped all the way down to 23 here. So this could be like a little hidden win that the OKC Thunder got themselves this draft. Yeah, it's really interesting. You see like this type of player that just doesn't go to college and it makes their draft stock plummet. And it's yeah. like he's been playing basketball, just not like he's just been training, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's a little out of practice as far as like being in a real game. But... I don't know why that affects his draft stock so much. Like, I don't really understand that. Yeah, I guess it's just like the recency bias of it all. But I mean, let's let's just I think this is going to be an interesting case study for the next few years here to see how Darius Baisley uh, develops and what he does in the league. Yeah, uh, he's compared gonna, to some of his counterparts. Right. He's going to get plenty of minutes. I mean, you might as well play him because you want to give him as much experience as possible. You're not trying to play Chris Paul however 30 plus odd minutes um mm-hmm. when you guys got we got guys like shay darius um this guy diallo who played pretty well for them last year in in certain spurts um these are the guys that you probably want to keep around for a while so you'll probably see them getting significant minutes and you have andre roberson returning to the lineup too so i don't know where he's gonna fit in but i'm sure they're happy to at least see him back on the floor um but yeah this this lineup i think if they're going to have to start the season with Chris Paul, they're going to put him and Shea on the floor together. Um, that's the only way they're going to make it work in the meantime. And I'm sure they're going to want to put Roberson back in the lineup with Gallinari, who's the other signing. He's just there. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why he's there. He might get traded too, honestly. And then, and then yeah. poor, poor Steven Adams, man. Like <laughs> this guy is on a great team and a great spot. Just being the big man in a, in a big three, essentially on OKC and, now, now he's stuck on this rebuilding team. Yeah, I think it's just going to be some of these, like Gallo, I think he's going to somehow get moved. 
Um, and once the arms race at the trade deadline starts off, yeah. somebody's going to, you know, he, somebody's going to make a move for Gallo or he's just going to cremate possibly to bio as well himself. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's making 20 million, which is a decent amount, but he's, he's a guy that he's a six foot ten dude that can shoot the three. Shoot, shot tw- he got 20 points a game for the Clippers last year. Yeah, he had a great season he had last a great year. Great season last year, and he's, he's healthy for like the first time in forever. Yeah. And so if he's healthy at the trade deadline, uh, yeah, I think that's their best chance to move him. I mean, I'm just looking at this roster. My God, this is going to be, <laughs> this team is going to have such a hard time scoring the ball. Like, are they, what is their team average going to be? Oh, yeah. Like 95 points a game, maybe. Five <laughs> points a game in yeah. this NBA, today's right. NBA. It's not good. So, I, yeah, I have them trending far down from their total last year. I have them winning 30 games this year. And that, that might honestly be generous if I they're going to go full tanking mode. So I saw Matt Barnes on NBA The Jump, I think, the, either today or yesterday, or maybe two days ago he was on there. And he was saying he actually thinks this team could, um, if things go well, could make the playoffs. And I was like, no. F- what? I was like, there is That's no real? way. Did, no way. Oh there is no way. I think if even if Chris Paul averaged like 30 points a game. No, he, they no. still wouldn't do it. No, no, <laughs> just no. Yeah, I'm looking at your 30 wins, and I think that's generous. I think uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like 25, 26, wow. 27. I wins. mean, sure, you know that that's fine. I, I I'm not gonna disagree with you on that. It's just it hurt me to give them so many fewer wins than last year. Yeah, the 30 30 wins. I'll give them just because I don't know. Maybe maybe they can pick up a few at the beginning of the season. I I don't know. And it's just not a knock to the guys on this team. It's just, it's also not a very well-balanced roster. Yeah, it's just, there's not a lot of depth there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just not a lot of playmakers. I mean, if Shea, right. Shea, Gild- if Shea Gildress can, like, make a big leap, like, I honestly think he's the one that has the most potential on this team right now. Yeah. I, I think if he can become, like, a 20-point-a-game a guy, then, then maybe you're talking about something, but I don't see that happening quite yet. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think this is going to be a bad team, and the Blazers and the Nuggets just give them four wins already <laughs> each. Yeah, so the storyline to follow here to, to close off on OKC is, is will Sam Presti be able to get Chris Paul off the books by the end of the year? I think that's going to be the biggest story you get coming out of OKC. Yeah, I want to say 50-50, but... That number is so humongous, that yearly pay he's getting and the amount of years he's still got left yeah. on that deal. I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think something's gonna happen until next summer. Yeah, it'll be rough. Maybe maybe a trade deadline, maybe he can make something happen if the team's getting urgent about maybe making a little bit of a push. Maybe maybe Chris Paul balls out at the beginning of the season and like ups his stock a little bit. And that's yeah. really the hope for OKC is that he shows that he can still play. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. On, moving on to the next team is we got the Portland Trailblazers. An interesting team because they made the Western Conference last year. They beat the team that I'm thinking is going to be the number one seed. And that team is pretty much the same. And the Trailblazers are another team that knows consistency. They've relied on that same core for the years. Every year, year in and year out. But yet, I, I look at this team and I like it. But I'm still not ready to say they're an elite Western Conference team. Like, I still think they're a tier two, tier three team, basically meaning that I don't think they're competing for a top three seed, maybe not even a top four seed. 
I think we're in that realm. We're it's still the Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, and Rockets, and I'm not ready to put the Blazers there. But yet, um, there is an argument I think to be made that this team has gotten better, um, has filled in some of their weaker points, and I think could make a could make another surprising run to the Western Conference Finals if certain things play out their way. Um, and the additions to their team is Hassan Whiteside, Kent Bazemore, 39-year-old Paul Gasol. <laughs> like how you add that note in there. He's 39. He's 39. Oh, I can't. Man. I don't know why he's still in the league, but can he bring some value to this team? Maybe yeah, at he's times. Not, he's not going to play. He could be the Ennis Cantor who doesn't play no, at all. He's and not, just like uh, at the end just adds a little bit of a punch. Oh, gosh. But you had Anthony Tolliver, <laughs> Mario, he, he's Nahosa. He's the hoe, whatever how he says. Hazonia. <laughs> Hazonia. And you lose Miles Leonard, Mo Harkless, and Evan Turner and Seth Curry. Um, you draft Nazir Little, Little with the 25th pick. He's an energy player, six foot six, uh, out of North Carolina. I mean, he's basically just like a cheaper wing to add to your depth because this is something that this team did lose this offseason, is they did lose some of their wing pieces in Alfarico Aminu, Evan Turner. Obviously, you lose your spe- your shooting specialist in Seth Curry. And I mean, these three guys did do some solid, had some solid plays and some ho- solid um, highlights in the playoffs. So losing them could hurt. But I mean, at the same time, you still have Ronnie Hood and you still and you bring in Kent Bazemore, who's also kind of that more energy wing who can shoot the ball slightly better than these guys can. And Ronnie Hood, I mean, they they gave him a new deal. So I think or he opted into his player option. So I think there's hope that he could stay healthy and provide some punch to this team. But really, more than anything, this team is going to continue to rely on Damian Leonard. I think you could we can all safely say is pretty much agreed upon is the second best point guard in this league. Mm-hmm. And CJ McCall, and interesting enough, when I was looking at that ESPN rating, they have him at the as the 13th best player yeah. heading into 29. So that would make him the second best shooting guard to wow. start 2019, only behind James Harden. And I see why not. I mean, this guy shot 40, 40% from three, averaged 24 points a game in the playoffs, off seven attempts from three. So, I mean, if this guy can bring that those numbers into the regular season, I think this team could turn another corner. And you have Zach Collins as well. You still have him growing, who the Blazers just accepted his $7 million option. And he'll probably be playing the four next to Hassan Whiteside, and ultimately, I think that is the X factor here is Hassan hmm. Whiteside, the $22 million man that was brought <laughs> to Portland. I mean, this team is like consistency. And this guy has some some kind of character problems at times. I mean, he never really materialized and did much in Miami. Basically, two things. I don't think he fit in well with that organization. I think he had himself some couple good seasons. And then two, he's also had some health problems, but... Last year, he did play 70-plus games, and he did average a double-double. So he could bring some great value to the Portland Trailblazers, or he could help just destroy the chemistry that this team has worked so hard to build over the last couple years. Yeah, I think Whiteside was a very good addition for them, especially not having Yusuf Nurkic in there for... They don't even know how long he's going to be out. I think it's going to be most of the season. Yeah, But, yeah, bringing him in to really just be that big man down low for them while they're waiting for him to heal. That's going to get them through a lot of the regular season. And it'll be interesting to see how Nurkic looks when he comes back and how fast he's able to come back. Because if he's able to recover quickly, 
I want to kind of touch on what we were talking about last week with Hassan White, like Kevin Love. Oh. Like if Nurkic can come back quickly enough and look good enough, this is an opportunity I think where you brought up last week that they could try to swing Hassan Whiteside for Kevin Love. Oh, I and would totally do that it. That would be that would put them in tier one for sure. Yeah. In my in my at least in my mind. I think that they are a fringe tier one team. I mean, they they have nothing to prove at this point. They made the Western Conference Finals last year. Damian Lillard is number nine on the list. CJ McCollum had such a great playoff series. Uh, like the whole the whole playoff run, CJ McCollum was balling out. He was better than Damian Lillard on some nights. Yeah. So they're no, big totally. two. Their big two is just as established as any other team out there. Where. It's only fringe for me, and where I might agree with you that they're closer to tier two is because they lost Seth Curry. Yeah. I think that was a bigger loss for them than we might expect because they didn't replace him with anybody. Kent Bazemore is more of the Evan Turner replacement. He's not really a very efficient shooter. Right. So So that's going to be tough. I think the hope there is that Rodney Hood can pick up some of that. But, yeah, I mean, when you have a specialist – like Curry and he who made the noise that he did in the playoffs. This team had no chance to match that money that no. the Dallas Mavericks had. And I think in the last ditch efforts, you bring in Hassan Whiteside, who, you know, he's expiring this year. So at least you have that cap space opening up next year. So that will be huge for this team mm-hmm. as they keep that three man uh, rotation locked up in Nurkic, Leonard, and McCollum. But when it comes to this year, yeah, they had no chance to get. Curry back and that's gonna be that's gonna be quite the loss for them because like I like I mentioned like they I feel I feel like they they filled in the gap with their weakness in the playoffs last year which was their front line their front core but then they had they sacrificed their wing depth a lot and those wing defenders in Alfarico Aminu and Mo Harkless and Evan yeah. Turner um and you don't really replace that oh and you definitely don't replace the the specialty shooting from uh, Seth Curry. Yeah, so there. I mean, and they lost Jake Lehman too, who was who was another like wing guy for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you you lost a lot of key bench pieces. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Kent Bazemore can be better than Evan Turner and maybe make up a little more of that slack. I I think Kent Bazemore is a better player than Evan Turner, honestly. I think so too. Yeah, so maybe maybe there is something there, but I mean, yeah, this team could look really good just if they can get Kevin Love. Like, I really want them to get Kevin Love. Just make this West just insane. Yeah, I think they should. I think part of it is also going to be, like, what does Hassan Whiteside do? I mean, it could also just not even matter. If I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't think that should matter. Take Hassan Whiteside's expiring deal <laughs> and take back and take Nasir Little and a bunch of picks from the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I, you, yeah. if you give him Nasir Little, you might not even have to give him that many picks, honestly. Yeah. Like, they'd probably just want to get rid of Kevin Love just as badly as the Blazers want him. Exactly. I mean, CJ McCollin, I think, is like 29. and I mean, CJ McCollin is like 25. Damian Leonard mm-hmm. is like 28. So, I mean, you, you're you right now, you're at the best you probably could be with these guys. Right. Um, so, why not add that one little, another piece to kind of just really try to help you guys get over the hump? And I mean... All you really need is a little bit of luck like they had last year uh, where some guys go down, you know, because if Paul George, I think if Paul George was healthy, I don't think this team beats OKC quite as handedly as they did. But, you know, nonetheless, they, they still, still did it. They probably still beat them, though. I mean, you think Russell, so? Yeah, Russell Westbrook looked terrible. 
Like the Blazers look great. I mean, if it wasn't in five, it would have been in six or seven. I, I, yeah, the Blazers had that series on lockdown. Yeah, it's true. I guess the luck on their side was the fact that they barely just hung on to take that third, that three seed to mm-hmm. end up on the other yeah. side of the bracket. Oh yeah, that was huge. That was big time. Because yeah. <laughs> if like they take that fourth seed, they might not have. They, I don't know. They definitely do not make the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, they got well, swept they play by the, the Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so whatever. Whoever played the Warriors, yeah, that that's fine. That that's a fine argument. But I, I don't know. I think this team has as good a chance as any. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can sneak into that tier one because I think they've like made enough noise to say that they should be respected as a tier one team. But just given the West is just like I feel like I can't give it to them, not with LeBron Davis, you know, Paul George and Kawhi out yeah. there. I'm a little worried about Whiteside if I'm thinking about it. I just I don't see him fitting in well with his team for some reason. I mean, I don't think so either, but I'm, there's a lot there's a lot of positivity on this team, you know, starting from Leonard and McCollin. I'm mean, the coaching staff there, and they've kept it for so many years now that I don't think a personality can possibly be big enough to break it apart, but who knows? I could be wrong. Well, they might just suck on the floor. True. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's an interesting fit. Yeah, I don't know. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, if he's going to have attitude about, like, oh, like, Nurkic is going to come back. Am I just going to go back to the bench? You know? Right. A $22 not million. Dollar. Yeah, they're both true centers. You can't play them together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no – you cannot play – oh, yeah, Nurkic is – I guess Nurkic could play the four. Hassan no. Whiteside, no way. They're both just big dudes. They're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that'll be interesting too with Zach Collins because I'm sure like until Nurkic comes back, you're gonna have to probably start him at the four. So it'll yeah. be a bit of a learning curve for him as well. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but they'll they'll have Damian and CJ to keep everything going for them for most of the regular season. Yes. Uh, yeah. You want? Are you, are you all good on the Blazers? Yeah, I think I'm good with the Blazers. Like I, I think to close it off here, what did I say? I think there's trending still slightly down. Just because you're not going to have a Nurkic for a full season and you do lose some of that wing depth, but not yeah. by much. I have them at 49 wins as opposed to their 52 that they got last year. So slightly down, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. I think I think they don't they don't crack that 50 wins. They're looking yeah. more like a fifth, uh, five or four or six seed. Okay. I think they'll be in there. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, we're looking at them not having a home court advantage to start in the first round. So that'll be, yeah, that, no, that'll no. be tough for them, too. Mm-hmm, against whoever exactly. team they go against but uh moving on to the timberwolves uh this this is uh i think projected to definitely not make the playoffs team even no. though they they could boast their own big two of wiggins and towns right yeah no of the future <laughs> yeah so between those two guys and their big fat max contracts this team was not able to do much of anything in the offseason you had jake layman you had Shabazz Napier. Am I exciting you yet? <laughs> uh, I didn't realize in this next name, I didn't realize they made a move for this guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me get to this. this is very exciting. Jordan Bell. Ooh. Wow. I didn't realize. I, I, I don't know why. I just kind of, I mean, I guess nobody really keeps tabs on the Jordan Bell, but I didn't realize this is where he went. Yeah. And I don't really care if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then departures, you lose not much really. Tyus Jones, Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson. I mean, Derrick Rose is actually a big one for that. I, I think they'll miss Derrick Rose. And then mm-hmm. uh, Dario Saric. 
Um, they lose Dario Sarge because they traded up on draft night to draft this guy, Jarrett Culver, at 6, um, trading the Suns the number 11 pick in Dario Sarge in that deal. And I think they made this move because they don't have very much cap space over the next four years, really, um, with Towns and Wiggins eating up most of that. So they had to take a gamble on someone like Culver who could maybe help boost their team for the next few years while they're trying to ride this wave out i mean you got 30 million plus going to those guys gorgie dang is on the books <laughs> for 17 million over the next two years oh and this man 34 million dollars over the next two years that is just unheard of you're giving jeff teague 19 million this year you had nothing to work with in the offseason it's just all bad for the timberwolves right now yeah, it sucks because because of these bad contracts, they might probably also lose Robert Covington in the next couple of years. Yeah, and he's probably <laughs> one of their bright spots on this team. Yeah, he's, he keeps getting better and better every year. Yeah, Covington's a great piece. He's back fully healthy, um, back um, tra- in training. He's in the gym now, and miss after missing much of last season due to knee surgery. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from that. But I think the big story here is just Andrew Wiggins on the books for another four years. And he has done nothing but regress since his 2016-2017 season where he, he averaged 23.5 points a game. It was fantastic. But now he's back under 20 points a game, shooting under 44% from the field, under 70% from the free throw line. It's just... I don't know what happened to this guy. I mean, he's, he's been ranked as one of the worst defensive players in the league over the last <laughs> few seasons. I think maybe the worst one of those seasons. It's just baffling to see how little effort it seems that he puts into the game, how he just continues to try to rely on natural talent, just looks completely lost out there. Yeah, I have no idea. I feel like as his numbers have regressed every year from 2016, so has my belief Am I saying that <laughs> this next year is the Andrew Wiggins year? Yeah. I, 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 last year was, I was barely hanging on with to that belief, but I, I was still hanging on enough to express it. But this year I'm not going to express it. It's yeah. I don't, yeah. I, you're, I don't off the, I, you're off the bandwagon fully. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I mean, I always feel like young guys don't really hit their, their groove until they're like in their third year fourth year and if they're really good you know like a jamal murray or joking then they hit it in their second year but that's really rare i think most guys it's like their third or fourth year andrew wiggins is you know well into into the league now and and he's had all the opportunities in the world and obviously he's got his his contract rewarded to him and it seems like the timberwolves were super hesitant to even give it to him in the first place they're probably beating (laughs) themselves up because they probably should have gone with their gut feeling and not had given not given it to him right you you always fear what you might miss out on that that, that's the thing and it's crazy that they don't talk about it either that the Cavs totally won this trade Oh, totally. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Andrew Wiggins, that, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, drafted what, number one overall, right? He has yeah, a number exactly. one overall pick. He, he had a lot of promise. You move him to get uh, Kevin Love in there, man. That, that was so much. They ended up winning a championship. Like that's, right. and that, yeah, they win that for sure. <laughs> I mean, Wiggins had a lot of hype, not quite Zion level hype, but he did have some hype behind mm-hmm. him coming out of high school and coming out of Kansas that year. So and it almost. Won. He looked almost, good too. Yeah, exactly. It almost did look like you were trading away a future two guard, you know, like a guy who could have gone into like a Tracy McGrady level or something like that. But 
yeah now he's looking more yeah. like i don't know yeah very rarely do you <laughs> see a guy just peak in like his third year in the nba and then mm-hmm. regress after that and you definitely aren't seeing that from Carl Anthony Towns, who was dominant last year to the tune of 24.4 points a game, 12.4 rebounds a game last season. And he's shown that he can he can go nuclear. Like, he yeah. can take his game to the next level. In the month of February last year, I, I had to look up this stat because I, I knew, I remember last year he just started dominating after the All-Star break. And I was right. He averaged 30.9 points a game, 13.8 rebounds a game in the month of February with 62% shooting and 51% from three-pointer. There we go. That is insane. Yeah. Those are the numbers, though, that we thought, like, Towns was capable of. Like, he showed these little flashes that he could do it, but... It's crazy. Like Jimmy Butler, just once he was off that team, Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> just like totally became a new basketball player. Right. And I think like that's where the focus should now be going is like, how do we build around Towns? And if you can tr- make a trade for, I mean, I don't really think that's a, if you can make OKC go for it, swap Wiggins for Chris Paul, maybe <laughs> see what just happens. Just get Wiggins out of there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that's the thinking moving forward here is like get Towns the the, the pieces that fit with him. Um, I think Wiggins is just, you know, let him celebrate the amount of money he's getting for the next few years. And Gorgie Dang, I don't, I just honestly, every year we do this, I can't <laughs> believe that's how much money he's making. I know. How did this happen? I, that, that 2016 year, that's really what it came down to. He just got that fat contract. Yeah. But yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to make a move to get rid of Wiggins by the trade deadline because. I mean, if they don't, I just feel like Carl Anthony Towns might start to get disgruntled with the organization again and be like, hey, yeah. you got to move Wiggins too. Like, I, I didn't want Jimmy Butler here. I don't want Wiggins here. Like, he's just ruining this team, ruining my chances of, like, stardom. Like, you got to get rid of him. And if not, he might end up requesting a trade too. Like, Yeah, because this, yeah, yeah. this franchise got, has dug themselves in a hole for the next two to three years with Dang's contract, Teague's contract. Wiggins contract and like I said you might end up losing a good piece as a result of that in like in a Robert Covington right yeah so you have to think like how patient is Carlton Towns willing to be because this Mm -hmm. team doesn't look like it's going to get any better than it actually is right now for the next two or three years that's that's, that's like the reality of it it's awful yeah exactly so I mean I'm looking at them and I, I mean I'm still seeing a 30 35 win team here what about you Sean I'm putting them at dead even. I'm giving them 36 wins. Same as last because year? Because it's, it's like the same team. They lost Derrick Rose. You add a nice young piece in Jarrett Culver. You didn't improve. Yeah. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns could, does have the potential to go nuclear, but that's not going to be enough to get this team over the hump with their other pieces. Yeah. Not especially when you're looking at the Western Conference this year. Right, Crazy. yeah. Yeah, bring into account how much all those other teams improved and how they're going to have to go up against the Jazz, the Blazers, and the Nuggets four times a year. Yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, tough, tough place for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe in the next couple of years they can make a run. But let's see. What about the Utah Jazz? The Utah Jazz are here now, and um, <laughs> this is a tough, tough division every time I'm looking at it. And it's like the, you know, the blade, I feel like the jazz were kind of like the way I'm looking at the blazers. And I've always looked at them this way. I think the jazz were in that same stepping area and that they look like they could be a tier one team, but it seems like 
you know, it's just still not enough to give them that respect. It's like they're still a tier two or three team. But I think mm-hmm. this year they're they're there. They're this I think I, can, <laughs> I think they're 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 a little they're leaning a little bit better to tier one. With these these additions of Mike Conley, Bojan Bondanovic, Jeff Green, Emmanuel Mude, and Ed Davis. They lose Derek Favors, Ricky Rubio, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, and Kyle Corver. They lose a lot, but they bring so much value back. I think if there's one team, you know, there's teams like the Clippers who had a great offseason, but they really just didn't do much in terms of balancing their roster. I think they just brought in the two best players they could have, <laughs> yeah. which is fine. You know, yep. the Lakers did the same. <laughs> yeah. But this is a team that like really actually filled that hole that they had and didn't really sacrifice much of anything to fill to get that filled which is like which which was their biggest holes were needing a ball distributor and that second scoring option last year at times it was either Derek Fabers a little bit of Rudy Gobert or Joe Ingles Joe neither Ingles. Of those, <laughs> yeah but neither of those guys were truly a scorer and now you really add that with Bojan Badanovic one of the best ball distributors in this league in Mike Conley a little bit on the older side but he's still there he had a great year last year and you had some solid bench pieces and Jeff Green Emmanuel Mude and Ad Davis and already just two solid guys you have already on your bench and uh, Dante Exum and Royce O'Neal I mean right now I think we're looking at the best jazz team since those days with Andre Kurilenko AK-47 <laughs> and Darren Williams nice <laughs> I, I think this is easily the best team since then um, I mean this is a team that's packing Rudy Gobert two-time defensive player of the year who took a huge step forward offensively last year averaging 16 points on 67 percent shooting i mean most of that was just put back dunks but still <laughs> big step compared to like 13 points this the is, year previous this to is that a Rudy Gobert that took down team usa too exactly just took just had a tariff for team usa as well <laughs> well i mean he blocked his own teammate pretty nasty in donovan mitchell yeah. and i mean this is a team that's been consistently a top three defensive team in the last three years and that big hole like i said has been the offensive side but i mean they got that their their big weapon in donovan mitchell and they just added some more support guns and Conley and Bogdanovic and Ingles is still going to be Ingles, I think. And I think Gobert's just slightly getting better every year on the offensive side. So I think I have this team trending up at 52 wins versus 50 wins that they had last year. I think this team is right there uh, on their way to making it to tier one and competing with the, the Lakers, I think, uh, for a top three seed here in the in the in the Western Conference playoff race. Yeah, I, I agree with you on. I definitely think that this Jazz team looks as good as it ever has. You know, I have been lower on the Jazz than you in seasons past. Yeah. And to my dismay, they've always exceeded my expectations for them. Last year being the biggest case of them all, especially after that slow start. I thought this, I'm finally got Allen. Like, no. <laughs> like, I finally won that argument. But yeah, they just had that crazy end to the season. Like you said, Donovan Mitchell just on a tear. 27 points a game but i mean this team i mean my i love mike conley on this team i think i think he is the perfect fit for this jazz team i don't know what they're doing messing around with ricky rubio all these years mike conley is the jazz player like yeah i think just he fits in seamlessly with the system 
Uh, same thing with Bogdanovich, man. I, I love the point you made. He's just going to be that second option for them on the offensive end, something they've lacked for as long as Donovan Mitchell's been there. He's had to be their one and only offensive option this whole time. So now you actually get to space the floor out a little bit. When, yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, what a concept. And, yeah, you still have Joe Ingles who's a good three-point shooter, and the bench is deep. Not as deep as like Denver's, but it, they mm-hmm. still got some good pieces there. I mean, Jeff Green on a minimum contract has got to be one of the best values in the NBA. I don't know how this man, this man has the worst agent in the entire yeah. league. <laughs> I think so. Like it's, I was looking at his numbers and I mean, they don't stand out, but for the fact that he's a minimum deal and he's probably your nine, what, maybe not number nine, but he's like your seven man off the on your rotation 12 yeah. points on 47 percent shooting yeah he was, was a great yeah. year with the Cavs that that yeah. time they went to the finals yeah and, and with he, Washington he's a starter year. with Washington last year Man, just Jeff Jeff Green if you're listening just go hire Rich Paul fire whoever you're working with right now because they're just not stepping up for you right now like yeah <laughs> get exactly. yourself some money man this is sad but yeah yeah, I, I do think this Jazz team is going to come out the gates much hotter than they were last year. I, I remember they, they got out cold last year. Oh, well, they had such a tough schedule they to start the year. They had a tough schedule, for sure. But I whatever the case is this year with their schedule, I really think that they're going to have a much better start to the season. I think that the chemistry that they're going to develop with Conley and Mitchell is going to happen very seamlessly. I don't know. I, I just have a good feeling about it. Like much the opposite feeling I have for Hassan Whiteside on the Blazers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's the, just, it works together so well. Like it, it's just, man, these moves are great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Bojan Bogdanovic, 18 points last year, 42% shooting. I mean, this guy's coming off a career year right now. Jeff Green, um, Dante Exum. I'm not going to say I wanted to last year. I had him as an X factor. I'm not going to do that because he looks like he's a promising player, but he just keeps having these heartbreaking ends to the year. Right. But, but still nonetheless, even if you can become just a solid role piece, I think that would be huge value for this Utah team. who was a pack in the way better bench than they had last year. I think Donovan Mitchell, one more year into his NBA career, I think he's just getting better with every year. Yeah. So I think the storyline to follow here is, Maybe they sneakily are actually the second best team in the West wow. and we're just not giving them enough credit. <laughs> I mean, it's tough to say that when you against a Kawhi Leonard and Paul George pairing, a LeBron and Anthony Davis pairing, you know, Westbrook and Harden, but yeah. this team is just, I think, really complete and really deep. Not quite as deep as the Denver Nuggets, but I mean, just it's I just feel like it could be tough to bet against a team that's as great as defensively as they are. And they filled some of those holes that they had on the offensive end. Um, So it's exciting to see what this team could do. Right. They're definitely going to be a very much more fun team to watch this year, I think, with with these pieces. And, man, maybe they could be the second best team in the regular season. Do I I think that's going to translate to playoff wins? Not so much. I I just feel like they're still a second-round team. Yeah, I think so too. I I I mean, I'm crossing my fingers for a Clippers versus Lakers Western Conference final, but Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone wants to see. Yeah, I think it's the same story though with the Trailblazers and um yeah, I mean with the Trailblazers, like I mentioned, like if they have a little bit of luck on their side, they end up on the right side of the bracket. Um a couple injuries get hinder some teams that yeah. cuz you know the Clippers and the Lakers are re- are going to rely so much on their star power. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of those guys go down, then it opens the gates for a deep team like the Utah Jazz who rely so much on defense or the Trailblazers or I mean, maybe the Denver Nuggets too. 
I mean, I think the Clippers will be all right, but we can talk <laughs> about that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but trending up, 52 yeah. wins. Sean, you see that as well? or They're, do you tre- see this they're trending up. I, I agree. It, it's going to be tough to get 52 wins, but, man, if the Nuggets are going to get 56, I, I think this team will get 52. They, they look good. I'm excited yeah. for them. Which means they'll probably do really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could just be all hype and nothing it doesn't materialize. We'll yeah. see. All right, to close the podcast out, we got to close it out with a ball brother, though. So We haven't talked I'm, about bald brothers in a while, so yeah, this is a good I time w- to do it. Yeah, and I was going to bring it up because uh, when I was looking at those ESPN rankings, I was surprised how many players Lonzo Ball was ranked above. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like I can't believe like he did not have a good I mean he had some good gains, but I still just don't believe I'm I'm losing the 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 candlelight on the hype for ball Lonzo Ball is starting to burn out for me. But mm-hmm. his brother on the other end though, looks like that's just starting up. La Lamello Ball turning heads and some people saying he could be a potential number one pick next year. Yeah, currently number three on the ESPN board. He soared over 20 spots in recent weeks. Um, A lot of it coming from him balling out in the Australian League in a recent game where 27 NBA scouts were in attendance. He put up a nice stat line of 19 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists against the reigning Australian League champs team while being guarded by the reigning defensive player of the year. Wow. I mean, this all sounds so good but the context is just so unknown you know yeah it's like i don't know how good the australians are but it's a professional basketball team to some degree and this is still an 18 year old kid he's grown to six foot seven so he's got size now Mm -hmm. um they say his ball handling skills are on a whole nother level yeah um his his passing ability his vision um they're they're saying it's luka doncic-esque wow yeah. I mean, Luka Doncic was an MVP in a league that I think is more generally known to be better than the Australian <laughs> league. So sure, but so I think that's a that's a stronger point there for Luka Doncic. But I mean, it's interesting. I mean, he can definitely play. He's six foot seven. He he. I mean, there's enough highlight reels of him at this point now uh, from every age 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 point of his life. So mm-hmm. we'll see where it goes, though. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to just speculate on these young yeah, guys, just, like what what exactly they're going to do and make a bet on them. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he's in the draft next year, so that's going to be a fun little storyline to follow. But just, just yeah. stay away from that big baller, Brendan, and we'll be all, we'll all be good. Yeah, I'm excited to see these case studies, Darius Baisley, LaMelo Ball, and see where people go. Yeah. These guys that are foregoing the college traditional route. But... For now, don't forget to check us out next week. We'll continue our division previews as we head closer and closer to the start of the NBA season. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week, everyone.